There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sopranos podcast. As always, I'm Joe Spellman, and this is Paul Golius, and this is David Peternick. I did it. Oh, I did it. I said your man. names. You're just gonna the step bit. on our toes like that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I was you be know, like, I'm, that's what we do now. I was be like, I'm Marty, the guy from the casino. Okay, <laughs> well, you did so say that. There you go. So funny. And I would have said something <laughs> even less funny than that. So, true, true, true. <laughs> all right, all right. So we wound up doing the regular Perfect. intros. Um, and we're talking season four, episode 12, Eloise, Eloise. a very easy name for me to remember and say. <laughs> yes, only a couple it's syllables. It's just a name. It's a real yep. name. Um, and yeah, you know what, Dave? Why don't you go ahead and introduce our We guests? are joined by the great Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. He covers the NBA and the Knicks uh, in particular. Uh... I believe you live Ooh. in Jersey, do you not, Mike? I do. What gave it away? <laughs> Your Rutgers beanie, perhaps? <laughs> Welcome. Rutgers I beanie, Sopranos episode podcast, uh, <laughs> all the people that have killed and buried their bodies in the Hudson River, yeah. all those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Checking all the boxes. Love it, love it. Uh, yeah, well, welcome to the pod, Mike. Uh I was uh, trying to have you on for a couple of weeks because uh, we read your uh, great article on the video that has not been seen by many eyes um, as part of the pitch package to LeBron James before his famous decision, um, trying to lure him to the Knicks. Um, by the way, uh, like how like how many people do you think have actually seen it? Le- LeBron did see it, right? They did actually show it to him. Yeah, yeah. So he saw it. I mean, there's what I think six people from the Knicks in that meeting: LeBron, Rich Paul, Leon Rose. So it was like, let's say, like ten people in the meeting, the free agent meeting. Probably a few MSG people. Yeah, I would say probably like fifteen to twenty people saw it at least. Yeah, somewhere around there. And for those people who haven't read the article, you should go read it on the Athletic. You should also follow Mike, um, and you should subscribe to the Athletic because I assume. A good chunk of our listeners who listen to a Sopranos podcast are also probably tri-state area uh, sports fans. So you should be reading Mike. You should be reading Lindsay Adler. Um, and all the- so if we get if we get Leon Rose on this <laughs> podcast, then he can he can describe the uh, the video like you know frame by frame. No, he wasn't. If you can get oh. Leon Rose on this podcast, Jesus, that would be impressed. <laughs> that that would be we would be the bane of all the Knicks beat writers' existence because. <laughs> Yeah, you'd have one more interview with Leon Rose than I would. Right, right, right. Kudos to you. <laughs> he just really wants to talk yes, about Sopranos, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I'm, That's the thing. He's a Jersey guy. He's yeah. Jersey. I'm, sh- I'm sure yeah, he's not go. at all sick of the comps to Tony Soprano at this point. Uh... <laughs> he's, a, he's a big Springsteen guy. I've heard that. I think he's gone to like over 150 uh, 50 shows. So I don't know if any of you are Springsteen fans. I'm not. So I don't know. That's the thing you guys can talk about. I What's am. Cool? My wife is a monster Springsteen fan. Uh, I I like okay. him, but I'm not like never seen him crazy. live. Yeah, never seen him live. 
Yeah, I like him. He's uh, better than Dave Matthews. I'll give him that. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Hey, hey. <laughs> didn't, didn't need to go there. Uh, so I guess like the, the biggest question for me, like after reading the article is, uh, and I believe it was either the producer or the director uh, who said like, you really don't want to see it. It would let you down. Um, how do you guys feel about like, would you want to see it or is it better to just kind of envision a better version of what the actual product was in your head? I mean, I would want to see it I mean, for sure. I don't care about stuff like that. It's the last, t- like, it's the last yeah, time they I mean, ever played those characters together. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's probably, I'm probably not going to be like, oh, wow. But, uh, you know, I would just, you know, I'm such a fan of the show that I would be like, all right, that was cool. That you was fun. You have to watch it. Uh, I, yeah, I'm glad I saw that, but it doesn't ruin the show or anything for me. Right. And you got to take it with a grain of salt, right? Because even um, in your article, man, he's he, like the director was saying that, people would probably be like a little disappointed with what it actually was. Right. If there was like a ton of like hype behind it, like this is, this is not, this was not made uh, to be to like appease Sopranos fans. This was made for LeBron James to be lured to the Knicks. Right. So. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was was, one, it was made for LeBron Um, Two, from the way they were talking about it and kind of kept insisting it was, it's a relic of 2010. Um, (laughs) So, you know, like, We've, we've progressed from then. Uh, so I think also it was like film, uh, you know, apparently pre all digital. So I'm sure it's not like, you know, perfect super 4k or whatever. Yeah. So essentially it would just be kind of stuck in the time that it was made. Sure. Uh, that, that reminds me of um, like the Hillary Clinton 2008 ad campaign where they like went to Holston's and like, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably feels something oh, man, similar yeah. to that where they're just like, she makes Bill eat like carrots. popularity. Yeah. She makes Bill eat carrot sticks instead of diamond <laughs> right. rings. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so funny. If anything, if, if anything, if it came out, people would critique it for if it was encouraging LeBron to come to New York. Uh, <laughs> well, or must not. yeah. It, were they were they effective? It must have enough? sucked because Le- if it was really good, LeBron would have come. So <laughs> exactly, you know, like exactly. Maybe if David Chase wrote it, you know, produced <laughs> so it. So the I don't premise know. the premise is Tony and Carmela after the series finale are trying to are in witness protection. So right. so it would it would uh, definitively answer whether or not Tony died in the series finale. He's alive. He's in witness protection, and then they are discussing uh, LeBron James coming to New York somehow right that's that's yeah, like the whole I, yeah yeah they're they're um helping him try to find a place to live in new york oh i see okay um apartment hunting so i yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah i don't know if they're still living in new york themselves in this witness protection scenario i would assume if you go into witness protection and you're from north jersey you'd want to move a little further <laughs> away but maybe that's like the last place to look for me is you know right where i always was type of situation mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, oh, we'll never yeah. be found out walking to Zabar's to get our groceries, like, you know. <laughs> right. I, I would say, like, in you know, it's probably a little disappointing to know if if, uh, if we're going to count that as canon that Tony ultimately flipped, right? So he's in witness protection. So yeah. he's not only alive, but he was, he's a rat. He's yeah. the guy that he right. hated the whole time. Right. Yeah, that might be a little controversial amongst Sopranos fandom. Uh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would imagine that would raise some hackles. I mean, he he he, he was that, notoriously now, like shy, and I, I mean, it just goes to show you what a big Knicks fan the two of them, uh, what he was, and and that Falco is. The fact that they were willing to do that just shows what diehard fans they were. Because I imagine they were asked to do some version of that, at various points for like certain events or charity or things, and they never, you know, refused to do it uh, until then. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and Gandolfini was notoriously sort of like he shied away from all that stuff. Like yeah. he never did that kind of stuff. And, right. And to have have done it for uh, his beloved Knicks, I guess, is 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 quite a statement. But do do we have any concept of like how long the scene was, or like if it if it entailed anything besides the two of them in an apartment discussing LeBron James? We don't know. No, it's just I, I think it was just a few minutes. It was just them in the apartment because yeah. they shot it all at Gandolfini's Manhattan apartment. I think he lived in the West Village at the time or something like that. Um, and so, I mean, the, the interesting thing is, like, he seemed to be the driver mm-hmm. of this whole thing, right? Like, of, I guess, reprising the whole Sopranos thing because 
getting Edie involved and then kind of just thinking it through a little bit, which as you guys said, he, he didn't do the Sopranos character outside of the Sopranos, right? right. Like he was pretty adamant about that, but um, the Knicks, you know, asked a bunch of celebrities for that video to just like do some stuff, tape some vignettes, but you know, Jim kind of, it seemed like brought it all together to, to do a Sopranos thing. Um, which I think is pretty cool. I guess that tells you how big of a Knicks fan he was, that he was willing to do it and that he was willing to kind of get involved in the, you know, the quote-unquote creative process. So. Yes. Right, yeah, because do, do you think he knew that it would make a bigger splash if, if he was in character as Tony Soprano? Um, because I wonder if any other actors who were recruited to do this uh, actually like played characters they were uh, famous for or anything like that. Um, no, I think the rest were just kind of like, you know, they asked them to tape like, uh, hey, come to New I'm, you know, so I'm Robert De Niro. Come to New York, LeBron. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Walt Frazier. I'm Donald Trump. I'm Donald Trump. Like, God. Um, and so that was like the, the, the shtick that they were going for there, where uh, Gandolfini and Edie Falco uh, kind of did some acting and, and did their own thing. And apparently they did it pretty well because, uh, as I said, Jonathan Hawk, the director there, said the chemistry was so great and they kind of like, you know, really vibed and went into uh, Tony and Carmela. See, that's that's why you have to watch. If you're yeah, a fan, you're, yeah, you you're can't right. say you don't want to see it. Like, just to have, I mean, primarily because it's there's a there's a definitive end here. James Gandolfini unfortunately passed away. We will never get any more. So to have to know that there's this like morsel out there uh, of him in character with his chemistry with Edie Falco, like anybody who's saying like, I don't want to watch it because I don't want to like have to acknowledge that perhaps Tony was a rat and this and that, like, that's just like nonsense to me. I don't, I don't understand that. (laughs) But um, what, what do you think, man? Do you think, uh, do you think the Sopranos fandom would, uh, would embrace this or do you think it would be more controversial or, or what? I I think it would probably be, um, I think it would probably be like confirmation <laughs> bias somewhat based on how you thought the series ended. Right. Sure. If you were the person who thought, uh, you know, he survived it and he's out there somewhere, like this is like proof. Um, you know, if you thought that it was, you know, he died and all that, then you're like, Oh, this is BS. Like right. this is just them making stuff up. I would love to have asked David Chase about it. I got a hard no oh, yeah. real quick. Yeah. Um, from his, from his publicist, uh, yeah. the closest I could come was Alan Seppenwall. Mm. um the yeah. sopranos you know the great sopranos connoisseur and, and he's pretty definitive that it is not canon yeah um right so i'll take his his word for it and his um, argument they, I don't is, know. oh god no i was gonna say but if, if i bet if the knicks got lebron uh alan also being a huge knicks fan might have just changed his mind yeah <laughs> okay this works out like we're, yeah. we're counting it yeah, like, yeah this yeah. is the real life yeah episode. this is canon now this right. is part yeah. of the sopranos legacy yeah, that's 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 great. I forget has uh, Seppenwall that has never seen it. Uh no, he he has not. He has not seen. It. I mean, he obviously knows about it, um, but he has not. You know, I don't think many people have. Like this was, um, you know, kind of a closely guarded secret. Uh, like there have been reports about it, obviously, but there nobody's actually seen the video. No one's like quite sure whether the video really exists. Like they taped it apparently on, you know. Um, you know, maybe David, you can tell me how the whole process, editing process, or like, I guess on reels or whatever on VHS, and then they moved it to like some digital editing place in Times Square at the time, and like, they don't really know where it exists now, anyway. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a chance for anyone to see it anymore. Yeah, you said the product. You said the production company is no longer right, right. correct. Yeah, I, their office closed. Maybe they're still around somewhere, but there's not a New York City office anymore. Um, and I tried to track down people, but I, I wasn't able to. Um, so, like, yeah, it's, it's just hmm. out in the ether somewhere. What what odds? Hey, do maybe you give? maybe a listener of this podcast had it. You know, like we're gonna yeah, like uh, you call, call it, it out. Uh, leak me the copy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just find me on Twitter. My email is there. DM me. My DMs are open. Like, let let the world see this thing. Do you, could you could you put a percentage odds of what you think uh, the odds are that that this will surface at some point? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I like to think that everything is a non-zero chance, so I'll go sure. like one percent. Okay, okay, yeah, this yeah. is we'll so go prices like, right on on non-zero. Right, right. <laughs> LeBron lost his DVD in the move. This is it's never it's never coming up again. Hey, yeah, but yeah. at least we know it exists, and and that and we can. 
in our collective imagination, uh, uh, dream of what this final moment between Tony and Carmela could have been. So thank you for bringing this to light, Mike. Yeah, appreciate uh, well, it. It's a fun story to do. For sure. And, and I do like uh, in the story how like, like the quote from Edie Falco, like she seemed to be so happy that he w- was into it, you know, that he wanted to do it. Cause she clearly was like super into doing it. <laughs> the fact yeah. that he, yeah. was, he, that he like wanted to do it out of the like blue was uh, like clearly like made her pretty happy. Yeah. I think everyone involved seems to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. All right. It, should, we, of- should we dive into our episode discussion here? Let's guys second to last episode of the season. Um, mm-hmm. Usually the, the penultimate episodes of the season are, are almost more uh, climactic and intense than the final episodes. Um, but this is maybe the exception to the rule here with LOEs. Uh, I'll do a little rundown we, written by Terrence winter directed by James Heyman, his first episode and originally aired December 1st, 2002. Uh, For those who may not recall exactly what happened in this episode, this was a series wrap for Furio, Federico Castelluccio, uh, as he disappears back to Italy after a night at the casino with Tony. But, great trade-off, first appearance of Finn DiTrolio, Meadow's boyfriend. (laughs) Terrific Uh, trade-off, yeah. (laughs) Carmela fights with Meadow and her roommates over whether Billy Budd was gay. Not something you were expecting at the, at the climax of the season of The Sopranos, but uh, there it is. And Polly smothers an old woman to death. Um, oh, and, and, and Johnny Sack surprises Tony by suggesting they take some extreme action against Carmine, which I guess is the one set up for the, the finale, right? My, my wife walked in like right... Uh as he was smothering her and then I was like, I'll look away. And she saw like the shot of her, like when he pulls the pillow up and her eyes like rolled back in her head. She goes like, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, like someone asked us on the last episode, like what's the scariest, like that you've moment of the Sopranos. That's pretty fucking scary. Disturbing. First off, an old lady who's like saying like, Oh no, like, like, like aware of her imminent death. And like, just in her eyes, like she looks like some sort of weird wax figure. Yeah. Like that scared the shit out yes. of me. Uh, yeah. Also, my wife walked in on the scene where they were stealing bread. Uh, and <laughs> she was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this guy's taking these old ladies. What the fuck is that? Like every like night or every day, uh, in New York City with my old relatives. That's what that scene yeah. was like. <laughs> Taking all the sweet and lows and the sugar cubes. Oh my God. Yeah, that was very familiar to me. Yeah. Uh, like because they think they they hoard it and they think like, oh, you know, my son, my daughter, my everybody's gonna need these sugar packets. <laughs> what? Or but it's kind of like a joke in my family. Like my 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 like extended family, they steal like salt and pepper shakers or they steal like at pizza parlors like little the parmesan shit and like oh come on pepper they've stolen glasses okay i'm I'm outing them i'm outing them um that's uh, that's kind of fucked up yeah no it's a but it's a very familiar scenario well the older people like our grandparents generation it was like the depression era of shit is why they they do that you know but sure (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, I guess, I guess. I let's, 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 yeah, let's yeah, that's why, that's why Mike's still stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the interesting thing about this second to last episode is, is like this, this really defines to me, and we talked about it a lot on the podcast, like the subverting of expectations, the anti-climax that David Chase loves. We have this affair brewing between Furio and Carmela the entire season. And then he just moves away <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with nothing having happened. Right. Uh, Pauly is, is traitorous to New Jersey and, and, and Tony the entire season with the HUD scam and costing Tony money and this and that. And then he just uh, comes back to him without any sort of incident. You know, um, We think that, that things are going to escalate between violently between New York and New Jersey. And then we, they end up uh, drawing a dick on a painting in, in Carmine's restaurant and, and there's a work stoppage. <laughs> At the right. Esplanade, like right. how thrilling, right? So like this this whole episode to me feels like it's about uh, the anti-climax and how David Chase uses that to subvert 
the storylines and expectations of storylines, because as we know, this all leads up to the ultimate like climax of the season is between Tony and Carmela, not Tony in New York or not Tony and Pauly and, and, and this, uh, everything else. Right. So yep. like when you first watched, do you remember what your reactions were to this episode and, and, and has it changed? How do you feel about this episode now? I think I, I just rewatched it the other day. And so I don't remember what it was like the first time, but I think the thing that kind of hooked me in so much was the uh, Carmela Furio stuff. Mm. Um, and just like rewatching it now, I was thinking of the scene um, in front of the helicopter where Furio almost, you know, kind of just throws him into the blades there and yeah. he catches himself. And I was thinking, uh, we're talking about how the this, this, this show ended or didn't end. Um, there's a lot of moments, right, where Tony escapes death. And, you know, this was obviously one of them. And this would have been, you know, almost because of his own wife, right? Like that was his own undoing. Um, I thought that was just a very poignant scene, especially on on the rewatch and just thinking it through and just like thinking all the different ways that you could have gone for Tony along the way. Yeah, right. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like um, I remember, maybe I remember uh, watching that scene, like, you know, when it was happening live and being like, oh, something bad's going to happen here. Like he might, he might, he might push him into the fucking blade or something. It comes pretty close. Really, really thinking that it was going to happen because they've been building up something like something's going to happen. They just killed off like Ralphie a few episodes before. So like, you don't know. Within the episode, Furio is just like in that crazy like zone the whole time. Like Tony's complaining about Carmela in the car. He's like getting like fucking pissed off. And then at the casino, like the like the girl asks if he wants to go upstairs, and he's just like like just standing there staring at Tony. He's like, "No, I'm okay." He's right. being a real weirdo. Yeah, being, you know, quite <laughs> like weird. that's not typical casino behavior. Nobody nobody <laughs> notices not. that he's standing there like a, a, a psychopath. <laughs> sitting like silently like a statue just like glaring at tony um but yeah i well, mean they, i was I, gonna say they, they contrasted him as like the complete foil to tony the whole time in that casino scene right like tony's uh a wash he's allowed like he can't yeah. control himself furio's just standing there stone cold sober he's uh, rejecting the advances uh of this woman and there's that scene where they're sitting on the bench her and him and then uh, uh wasn't it bruno i think comes like plops himself down completely drunk um and like and the whole time in front of the elevator like not the the helicopter him him and tony are just completely different and they're just making that contrast so obvious you know not only for us but probably as like a way of portraying what carmelo sees too and right and then just boom like disappears 100 percent. and they've been doing it all season like showing how how furio is just so different than than tony by nature even though he is we know him to be like so uh insanely violent right uh uh and all that sort of stuff like they do make a point to contrast the two um especially at the casino but you mentioned brian camarada carmela's cousin uh who's just like throwing up all over himself uh and that where was he it's so funny he just like throws him like like what was he doing the moment before that (laughs) Oh yeah, he, he, was, uh, to know. he was rolling dice at the craps table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also doing what I what guy. I would be doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that would be all of us. I feel like if we if we hung out with Tony and his crew, we'd we'd be the fucking lightweight. Yeah, I, like, I would I would trip and fall. In, yeah, I would trip and fall into the blades. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. That's how that story ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very climactic. Um, but I, but that's that's sort of interesting, right? I mean, I think I think uh, let's say he did do it if furio did just grab tony by the cuffs and threw him in these helicopter blades like what's what's the alternate timeline where that happens like does he because he's seeing it as a means to end up with carmella but do you think he does and like if he if he murders tony and even if he gets away with it like you know what how do you guys see that playing out if you could imagine I think he would, he would still he would. flee back to Italy. He would, yeah, yeah, so yeah absolutely. To, like, you know. Does he does he control the family? How does that work? Like, is that a, like a winner take all type of situation? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, he he he. If you throw the boss in some helicopter blades, you are the boss now. That's, that's right. That's nobody just. Dis- the, fun, 
<laughs> I was gonna say I think like probably it still doesn't work out for uh for him and Carmela because she always has right if I think back to um the pastor in season one she always had kind of doubts and always a lot of she was ridden with guilt right right so I imagine if it, if uh if Tony met his demise at Furio's hands she probably would have been kind of spooked off by that yeah that right. probably would have ended the relationship anyway but of course yeah. the, the story would have been that uh Furio would have been telling people oh he was so drunk and he just like stumbled and he fell into the the chopper blades uh and and that's like honestly like there were witnesses to how drunk he was like he he maybe could have gotten away clean with it um and then he comes back to carmela being like i did it i pushed him into a helicopter <laughs> right, he just blade. messes up yeah that, what i'll actually i will have one of those scones now <laughs> <laughs> let's have let's eat scones freely uh no that's that's interesting um but but yeah, I don't I don't I don't see any end to this uh, where Furio does not just either fold and and head back to Italy, uh, <laughs> or he gets fucking in deep shit for killing the boss of his family. Uh, so he'd be killed, but, and like obviously he comes to that conclusion in the moment. Like I just need to leave for sure. Like I can't just kill this guy, even though I really want to. Right. And, and I think, I think he did the right thing. I think uh, that's, that's the move when you're like, you know, he, he had previously expressed how he was not feeling at home in America. Uh, and, and I think he just, he had to get out of there. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just so, such an unceremonious like uh, departure for the, like one of the great characters on the show, you know? Well, it's that, that shot of, um, of Carmela looking in the window and then they pull back and it's uh, you see like the empty house and, and you just feel that sort of gut punch that she describes uh, to Rosalie. Right. She, she's like, I feel like I was going to throw up like uh, you know, they had had a date and, which is reminiscent of the Vic Musto storyline in, in season two with like the painter who yeah, comes painter. over her house, they make yep. plans to like have lunch or something. And he backs out cause he he's bells, scared yeah. of Tony. Right. So it's a little bit repetitive, but, but obviously, well, she actually kissed Victor Musdo. So yeah. that's, that's the difference uh, between the two, but, but it's sort of the, the uh, repetitive storyline, but it's interesting to me that within this episode, they mention Mr. Wegler, AJ's teacher, who we know that Carmela in season five eventually does sleep with. Right. Uh, I want to talk about that scene at Meadows apartment in New York uh, where she has like the whole like gripe with the interpretation of Billy Budd and this and that there's so much going on in that scene. Um, but I mean, like, do you guys think uh, like, how do you think Carmela's gripes about Billy Budd being homosexual relate to her current depression regarding Furio leaving? Cause it seems connected. Well, she's, she's obviously, angry about Furio being gone and she feels slighted by like a group of like young intellectual kids. And so she's right. taking out her frustration on them. It really has nothing to do with the book. It's just that she's pissed off because Furio is gone and she pined for him. And yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it sort of relates back to, I, I mean, she, she wants she always wanted every opportunity for her daughter, right? Um, she wanted to send her daughter to an Ivy League school. Um, yeah, but- well, the whole the, the whole the the last scene of the episode, it's just it just it just shows that like every like when Tony is like, look at what you did. You created this like independent, intelligent, um, you know, woman, and she's yes, like she's she's proud of the mom that she is to her children obviously but but really she's she's jealous of meadow like she's jealous of uh, like she wants yeah. to be living the life that meadow is living jealous of her like opportunity, opportunity and the way that she yeah. can, she could see the world in ways that carmela just can't right yeah um, and that, that whole dinner scene even leading up to that um you know it was clear like Tony came in, he was kind of being himself, like he was eating everything, drinking everything, kind of driving the conversation, being loud, kind yeah. of obnoxious. Um, and these are all the things that Carmel doesn't really find attractive about him, at least anymore. 
Um, and I think, you know, it was interesting to see you, you projecting on her that like, here she is with seeing these kids who are young and experiencing love for the first time again uh, and kind of getting to see the world where she's like, like you said, on the other end of that curve and she seems to be trapped in this kind of marriage that she no longer wants. Um, so she's jealous of just their freedom almost as much as anything else. Yeah, for I, sure. I, yeah, I think it's the freedom and and also she, you know, because Carmel uh, Meadow is is uh, has this new budding romance with Finn DeTrolio and and Meadow threatens to uh, leave um, Columbia and go to Northwestern to be with him and and it just feels like her future is very open ended and when Furio leaves that's that's like putting such a button on Carmela's uh, uh, life. <laughs> Really, because because she had been banking on um, these small interactions with Furio for the entire season, and uh, seeing some glimpse of hope for herself, uh, I don't know that she would that she would ever really cheat on Tony without the uh, without the separation. But um, I think like it, she was very tempted to and this is like just the dying of some sort of like hope she had for, for her life that Meadow, it has an abundance of like, it's very open-ended for her daughter and she's jealous. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's not touched on TV in TV, like family dramas, especially often where parents are resentful of their children. You don't see that yeah. often, um, right. but it's so, I, I feel like it's yeah. so, I'm resentful. not, I'm not resentful of their youth and um yeah that they just have and most and uh, most generations have more opportunity than the previous generation has that's just kind of right you know, more right. more typical than not right um let's let's talk let's shift gears and let's talk a little bit about the new york new jersey beef that's that's escalating early on in the episode we have this golf course scene with uh Little Carmine returning to New Jersey to talk to his dad and Johnny about reducing the uh, the forty percent claim on Tony's share of the the HUD scam from the previous episodes. Um, this is something that Tony went down to Florida and asked Little Carmine to do, uh, but things sort of play out in a weird way here with uh, Little Carmine, Carmine Senior, and Johnny Sack. Um, there's a, there's a few <laughs> lines here that are like classic Sopranos, you know, Carmine calling uh, the Jersey crew, a uh, the Jersey family, family, a glorified crew, um, this and that, like but like shitting on Tony, like shitting on Tony. Um, Very allegorical. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as Carmine senior starts like saying like he, you know, he's like, I tell you what though, back in the day, you know, uh, with Tony's decisiveness, I, I, I would have been proud to call him my son. And that's sort of where little Carmine does the 180 and he starts bad mouthing Tony. You know, he's a bit of a poseur or whatever the fuck he says. Uh, his turf, his appraiser, this and that. And that pisses off Carmine Sr. Um, and this is also the classic line. Uh, what, they resod that green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we've had uh, questions about in the past. That's right. But do you, do you think this is sort of, do you think the writers were seeing this as sort of a setup for the little Carmine Johnny, Johnny Sack, Sack rivalry in, that would come in season five? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do, do you think they, they knew that they were going to go there? Probably. I would Probably. Think so. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's why, you know, you pr introduce someone like, uh, little Carmine to begin with and he starts you know sticking his beak in the family business right. um and uh never really actually doing any good <laughs> he's always just like fucking things up yeah like right. this it, like the little whatever, son yeah. Whatever, whatever yeah whatever happened there whatever <laughs> yeah. Um, I figure whenever you bring in a character named Little Whatever, there's like a chance that he's gonna be involved in the future plans and probably mess it up yep. somehow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's Definitely. a good call. Yeah. If there's a little before the name, uh, watch out. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so this obviously escalates things, you know, uh, because of his own person. Little Carmine doesn't like that uh, Carmine Senior 
uh, professed that he would call uh, Tony a son. Uh, He would have been proud to have a son. This escalates things. Things aren't resolved. This means that uh, Carmine's new bar restaurant with his painting from Fiorello LaGuardia is going to get balls and dick painted over it. Like, what do you guys? So, and his and Carmine's response to the vandalism in his restaurant is to shut down the entire Esplanade, Esplanade project. What do you guys think of of this tactic? Is this is this a smart boss move, or or is is this his like undoing uh, of Carmine Senior? I think it's a smart move. I mean, like, what can you do? You know, like, uh, it's not like killing anybody, but it's you know cutting off uh, you know the money. Um, but, but my thing is he's also cutting off the money to his own family, his own family, his own own crew. Yeah. But they got other things, you know, they got, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure they got other things, you know, but this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's going to cut off money for them, but like, it's really going to cut off money, I think for Tony. Um, so, uh, I think, I think it's a, you know, it's almost like checkmate at this point. Yeah, because well, yeah, the New York family is bigger. They uh, they have more hands and more things, and uh, you know the Jersey crew is that pygmy thing over in Jersey. So they they only have so much so much stuff like the sports book, you know, the waste management company. So it's 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 absolutely a bigger hit for them. Yes, but not necessarily a bigger hit. Uh... Uh, his 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 consigliere his his underboss Johnny Sack uh, has his his income is supplemented uh, substantially by the Esplanade project. True, and that's how we lead to Johnny Sack meeting with Tony and floating. Uh, he says it, but he doesn't say it. Uh, whacking whacking Carmine. Yeah, I remember seeing this uh, live and thinking, oh, the season finale, like. Carmine Senior is absolutely getting killed. Like he's absolutely gonna get killed. Yeah, right. right. And not choke on fucking egg salad or however. <laughs> eventually <laughs> dies. Beginning of season five. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the the anticlimax. Right. Carmine right. Senior killed by eggs by uh, a big bite of egg salad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but 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 yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen this season, and that's the yeah, thing. Right. So. Um. And I, f- I feel like that's sort of their point. Like it's, it's, it's not all about the mob drama. Like the biggest uh, stressor in, in Tony's life is his marriage. And they play that out in the next episode uh, quite effectively. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I guess I-, I think when your underboss is turning against you because you're like intentionally uh, bleeding him dry with this espl- with this like union stoppage and this and that like that's that might not have been the smartest move the funny thing is this is sort of the inverse of what we saw earlier in the season when carmine uh very similarly like asked but didn't ask for tony to whack johnny sack in the weight when he wouldn't let go of the the fat joke right 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 you think you think that was like part of the writers' plans for the season, uh, the season arc, or do you think they were just like, oh, that's actually kind of a, a nice little uh, mirror moment? I assume David Chase and them kind of plan all this stuff out, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it, it is it is interesting how they always find ways to kind of create adjectives for Tony. Uh, a lot of it obviously is like self-created by him in the show anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how things just resolve without any action uh, of Tony, uh, like on his own behalf, like the Polly shit, Polly like talking out of school and like leaking shit to New York. That's costing Tony money. It just resolves itself without anything that Tony does. Um, Carmela or uh, Furio. There's no, there's no, direct confrontation with furio he just decides to leave so tony is one fucking lucky motherfucker uh yeah uh, which is like a, a whole point of the show until the final season when he like starts right. going on the fuck the whole timeline of him having bad luck well obviously he gets shot by junior right. uh but then like yeah in 6b like all this shit with him 
gambling and losing money, which I hate. It's like my least favorite uh, storyline in the show. Not not lucky yeah. in that one episode. And then <laughs> right, right, episode. right, right. But, but isn't that like the whole like you were saying like the whole point of show? He complains right like that he thought he missed the good times for mobsters and gangsters, but like he's been incredibly lucky in the fact that he's been able to avoid calamity in like so many <laughs> different ways, and it's still yes. pretty good for him despite his own you know yeah. bitching about everything. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And 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 a lot of the times it's not due to it's it's not due to his own savviness although I think Tony is a savvy gangster but like sometimes it's just pure luck how things like play out, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Uh if you're if you like looking at Tony as a boss um and his effectiveness, you know, you have to take into account that he's been very lucky to survive as long as he did. Uh or yes. continues to after the final episode depending on how you look at it but yeah, so yeah. this moment where tony where uh where uh Polly is at this wedding and he just happens to meet carmine uh carmine senior um and he sees this as a great opportunity to go you know kiss him on the cheek pay respect he's been in his ear the entire season uh johnny sack has been saying you know carmine senior thinks a lot of you very highly of you uh Paulie has even sort of like underhandedly floated the idea of him like switching sides to New York. If Paulie never finds out that Carmine doesn't know who the fuck he is, how do how do how do you guys see this playing out? Because now the conflict is kind of overt. He has that scene with Silvio and the Bing, where they yep. uh, they stand up and start shouting at each other. He basically threatens Sil, you know. You know, uh, nobody knows what the future holds, my friend, like that sort of thing. And also, uh, Sil basically gets the, the wheels turning in his head to eventually kill Min for the money to give to Tony to, like, get back in his good <laughs> graces. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, like, if he, if, if there was never that moment of realization, what do you think happens with, with, with Paulie? Does he continue to defect? Uh, does he play a hand in, in because if he does not know that Carmine Sr. doesn't know who the fuck he is, and then he learns that Tony might be plotting uh, a, a killing of Carmine Sr. with Johnny Sack, he like, get, how do you like he get, what do you think? He get found out, like you know, he he he's uh, like yeah. he's like kind of found out to be a dummy here, and like like luckily he does like you know find that like. Um, Carmine doesn't know anything about him and he can sort of uh, redeem himself because yeah, if he just keeps going like, like, like what he knows, it'd be like, Ooh, I fucked up. I shouldn't have like done this. And um, they would have found out that it was him. They would have gotten like clear cut evidence and like, they would have fucking killed him. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, Tony would not have any of that. I, th I think you're. I think you're right. Paulie's days were numbered if if things did not play out as as they did. He's bumbling, you know. He's a bumble. He's bumbling a lot of times. And, well, and uh, he's st he still almost gets killed. Like in Remember When, like you know the sure you flirt. They flirt with Two Tony Kelly later. Yes. Still, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah he, he would have been killed. He would absolutely <laughs> been killed. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk. I want to just return real quick to the the. Carmela Furio storyline, um, but it but it, it doesn't involve Carmela or Furio. This is this is Meadow and Tony on the stairs. This this sort of nice little scene. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but but uh, before she leaves for Montreal or whatever. Yeah. Right. So this is basically she she has learned through AJ that Carmela started to be depressed and crying a lot and this and that after Furio leaves. Um, and uh, she has a scene with AJ in his bedroom, by the way, uh, when he farts and he's like, meeting's over, uh, Sepp and Wall and, and Zoller Seitz, the, the writers of Soprano Sessions, say that rivals uh, the no fucking ZD now line from AJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, agree or disagree? Uh, I don't think so it rivals it, but it's great. I, I just I just know Seppenwall's a big fart guy. I mean, I just, <laughs> yeah, fart guy. it's in yeah. his like you know under you know byline or whatever underneath <laughs> yeah, yeah, his yeah. Uh, bio. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so so Meadow sort of uh, gleans through AJ that her mother 
her mother's depression may be stemming from uh, the disappearance of Furio and, and her recent um, close connection with him. Um, and Tony and Meadows sort of have this little scene on the stairs where uh, I love that she didn't know that Tony was in therapy this entire time. Uh, it just sh- goes to show that, that, that uh, no children are, are quite oblivious to what's really going on in, in, in parents' lives. Uh, but do you think, but so she, we, we get the impression that she knows why Carmel is upset. Do you think she's making a conscious decision to spare Tony's feelings uh, here by, by not telling him that she thinks it's about Furio or is she trying to avoid, is she trying to spare his feelings? Is she trying to avoid drama or does she know that Furio could get hurt? What do you guys think? Probably some of the above, right? Like she probably wants to, she probably doesn't want to be the person who kind of breaks that information uh, to, to her dad. And so she's just like, it's some, you're kind of walking the line between trying to be helpful and also being like, I don't know how much to get involved. Let's, let's let them kind of figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like secondhand from AJ too. So it's like, uh, you want to bring up something that AJ told you that could. <laughs> put the yeah that uh, could be a bad that could be bad they could like ruin your parents marriage even though you know we know what happens in the next episode anyway but yeah i feel like she probably wants to keep her beak out of it right so do you so you you're basically saying like she just doesn't want to have to deal with the fallout from it or do you think she's my question is like do you think she's trying to like spare tony of like having to confront that his wife might be thinking of another man in a sexual way or or you know is it is it selfish of her or is it like she's trying or to she be like dad? a good person yeah, yeah. <laughs> well she I, I she knows what her father is at this point so she maybe is like yeah, i don't want to yeah. inflict any pain on anyone because she knows he'd probably go you know wild right like right um right. She, yeah. she knows he has a temper and he reacts irrationally to a lot of things right yeah for also, sure. like weirdly, she's she's at the complete opposite side of uh, where she was with her relationship with her dad, with Tony, in season three with Noah Tannenbaum, right? Where she, where her dad just reacted so negatively uh, to her dating this this guy, uh, and then in season four, uh, Finn DeTrolio, Tony, in that scene with the Billy Bud and the and the dinner conversation. Tony's very charming. Tony is like turning it on. Uh, and it's, it's just the opposite of what we saw earlier in the series with uh, Meta's boyfriends. Uh, so she probably might not want to like upset that sort of balance. I think she has with her dad um, in this moment. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's basically it for the episode. The only other yeah. thing uh, that they touch on is, is the junior trial, uh, we, we it opens with the junior trial uh with bobby sort of eyeing the guy's wedding band the jurors wedding band mm-hmm. um and then ultimately ends up with eugene Pontecorvo stepping in uh finding him finding this juror at the uh at a convenience store and offering to pay for his like fucking candy bar or whatever the fuck it is mm-hmm. uh what would you guys like think about that scene do you think he was do you think the message was received in that? Oh yeah, and- yes. Yeah, that that is how you jury tamper. I'll tell you that. That's a, <laughs> really that yeah, just mighty many, fine many jury times. tampering. Yeah, I yeah, I'm, a, I'm a jury tampering consultant. People <laughs> people hire me to do that all the time. Oh yeah, I just buy gum for people. You know, <laughs> give them a nice little you know reassuring shoulder massage. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. Uh, but no, I thought, I think it's a great scene. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, he knows his name. Like he's also <laughs> got like the other fucking meatball behind him too. Like, right, yeah, right. he's there with his kid. Yeah. It's like terrifying. It's, it's <laughs> all you need to do. That's all you need to do to send a message. So, so like what, like put your guy, put yourself in that guy's shoes. You've all, Oh, I, I should also say like, you've also been sitting in a courtroom for like days upon days hearing like what junior is accused of too. So you have right. all that in your head too. And you're like, I would rather that not happen to me as well. So yeah. But so put yourself in that guy's shoes. 
what would you do? Would you, would you, oh, I would have, I would have punched lone him. defector as I we know he is. I would have beat the shit out of him and would have been like, dude, in front of my kid, I, this is, uncalled, yeah, Feudy would have just for. attacked. That's how that would have played out. Sure. I would have yeah. effed up. I would have showed up to court dressed like a clown uh, and hopefully gotten kicked off the jury. <laughs> Replaced with an alternate. There you go. I think it's just one of those things where you just like don't show up and you're just like, well, you send a note a few days later and just like hope the judge yeah, understands. Yeah. Right, right, right. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's a fucking tough situation. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what I would do, but uh, yeah, no, I think, I, Mike, I think you're right. I think I would fucking not show up. I would just fucking, I would drive somewhere where they can't reach me. <laughs> right. Like the, in the village in New York, like just hide out in your apartment. <laughs> yeah, just go to your your own apartment. Uh, yeah. yeah, that should do it. Uh, but that's that's uh, LOEs. Anybody have any thoughts? Any any moments they thought were particularly great that I missed, or 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 anything like that? No, no. Yeah, it's a good up. It's a good up, and yeah, is, a, yeah. a classic David Chase fucking with uh, the viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sure. I think it was masterful um, for him. I, I the thing I keep thinking about is the fact that he just sends Furio away like halfway through the episode, right? Like most episodes, we would just yeah. end on her looking into that house as the final scene. David Chase is just going to like break it on you 25 minutes in or whatever. 100%. Yeah. And, and you're like, yeah. and you're like, oh, who could die in this episode? Furio could die. Tony could die. Paulie could die. Nope. Just this old lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nope. Just Min Matrone. <laughs> yeah. Just Min Matrone getting suffocated to death. Her <laughs> crazy eyes. As disturbing as it was not the the whacking that we all anticipated for this episode. No, no. Uh, There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um. Uh, uh, Feudy, did you have a few uh, fucking internet? Yeah, just real, real quick before we let Mike go to sleep because he has a little one and it is late on the East Coast. Fucking internet. Uh, yeah, I just put out a feeler to see if anyone had Sopranos and or Nick's questions and we'll just rattle them off super fast. Uh, Greg Schaefer, does it upset you that Tony was a Nets fan? No, because he lived in North Jersey. I have respect for Nets fans who, uh, you know, are from Jersey and we're fans of the New Jersey Nets. I just have no respect for people who moved to, you know, uh, Park Slope from whatever the hell they came from. And they're like, oh yeah, I love the Nets. I'm a huge fan, huge fan. Uh, I have no gripes, personally. I agree, I agree. (laughs) Mike, do you agree? I was just trying to think of the ways that Tony probably had a cut of that business somehow. Like he was running like the parking attendance at the Meadowlands. Like he was involved. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Probably, oh, he probably. The Cuban. The Cuban probably got him tickets. So <laughs> that makes sense. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh Joyless Division asks, is Thibodeau continuing to start Peyton? Uh Paul, Thibodeau is the coach of the Knicks and Peyton is uh the most divisive uh player on the Knicks this year. Is Thibodeau continuing to start Peyton the equivalent of Tony naming Gigi Capo uh, ahead of his top earner, Ralphie? Thank you for your consideration. (laughs) 
yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think so. Yeah, you got you got better earners on the bench, uh, for sure. Because you know, Ralphie just like you know, um, kind of does more than uh, than Gigi, right? Just sort of like the other players on the Knicks. Yeah, but also it's like. Uh, just like Ralphie is cr- like super crazy and untrustworthy, Derek Rose is um, you know a, a thousand years old and uh, he can't he can't play him every single minute of the game, and it's working out. You know Ralph is still putting all that money into Tony's pocket, but this way he like kind of keeps his leash uh, you know a little shorter. So uh, just like analogy, I think that's a great analogy. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any input, Mike? I know you can't really answer this. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, I think that maybe the the best way I can think of it is the fact that, like, you know, despite all the griping about how the family needs to change and modernize, they're kind of bound by tradition a little bit. And Tibbs has been riding Peyton as the start of the whole season, so he's just kind of he's sticking with it till it doesn't work That's right. anymore. And, uh, changing, changing where he can, but Peyton still gets the starter. You know, get the first seven minutes or whatever. Yes, that pygmy thing at Madison Square Garden. Uh, let's see. Uh, Schwinnie Poo says, Elf is Richie April. Discuss. <laughs> I, I'm just going to be out front and say, I, whatever he says, I agree with. I, I can't, I don't want to take any Twitter heat from him. I, I can't take anymore. He is scared of that yeah, guy. For, for those who don't know, yeah, he is. Uh, he brings he brings the uh, the Glock loaded on uh, on Twitter. He's ready to yell. Uh, so yeah, I agree too. Um, gotta start one, bench one, cut one. Ralph, Richie, Phil Leotardo. Do do you remember all those guys, Mike? Ralph, Richie, Phil Leotardo. Richie, basically the three most legendary kind of uh, you know thorns in Tony's side. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably bench Richie April. I would guess too much of a wild card for me yeah and then you cut phil right yeah yeah ralphie like you said he was an earner and he kind of he kind of got in you know he he uh he met an untimely end i think a little bit unfairly yeah agreed it's true ralphie ralphie definitely um as much as he was a thorn in tony's side he definitely made him a lot of fucking money which uh richie and and phil you cannot say for so uh our good buddy Chris Persianen claims that uh, he is tempted to start Phil over Ralph. That is wrong. Chris, Chris is like 18 years old. Like he, you'll learn, you'll learn. Uh, and that's show again. And that's it. We, we also Chris added that he is certain that Mike has seen the video of uh, Edie Falco and James Gandolfini and just can't admit it. I would definitely admit it. If I had it, I would have run it and published it. Uh, again, if you're listening to this and you are both a huge Sopranos fan and once worked at Madison Square Garden and have access to such things, uh, my my email is in my Twitter bio. Send me the video. Please, please. It's got to yes. be Leon Rose. Leon Rose probably has it, you know, right? I mean, he, he, he was <laughs> he just, agent at the time, you know? Like, yeah, right, right. Maybe that's how he got the job. He, uh, he, neg- he blackmailed them. He said, I'll release the tape unless you name me team president. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's we're going to, we're going to get him, baby. we're going to get him on the pod and he's going to, he's going to explain himself. Uh, on that note, uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Uh, where can the listeners find your stuff? Um, I will not plug my Twitter because I cannot in good conscience ask anyone to go on Twitter. Um, if you subscribe to the athletic, uh, you know, subscribe to the athletic. I write about the Knicks and some other NBA stuff from time to time. And, um, that's about it. I have a podcast that I rarely do. So, you know, count that one out too. Oh, that's yeah. It's, it's a good podcast. Um, when it's public. I should also, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I should also say that, um, my wife is very into like, stories about athletes but not the actual sports being played and i showed her your piece on julius randall's like you know off-season training and so every time she watches a game with me she goes is that the guy from the article (laughs) so julius randall is the guy from the article to her that's all he'll ever be yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) uh well good stuff mike thank you thank you again for coming on uh this this has been great and uh yes follow mike on the athletic and all the other athletic writers uh you can always hit us up 
at elvisopranospod at gmail.com. Thoughts, concerns, things you like, things you don't like. Give us a follow on the socials, at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And give us a five-star review on Apple Pods, on iTunes. Uh, you know, because that shit helps us. And again, you can tell us that this shit sucks. Just give us five stars, okay? <laughs> All right. Until next week. Oh! Oh! oh. This is Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast, and in case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, the Sports Gambling Podcast, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans, plus guys like me who just love betting on sports. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding source that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. Uh, I, I can vouch for Sports Gambling Podcast and our Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Our partnership with Blue Wire has really been vital to us growing. Um, Kevin and his team do tremendous work over there. So Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show and many like them continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash Blue Wire.